Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The book of Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6, we're going to return again to our study on the Beatitudes. And I trust that in this journey that the Lord has just been able to help us unearth a few things to be meaningful to our heart and our walk with God because it's not just something to sing about, shout about, but I want to live this. I I want this to be in my heart, not just every now and then, here and there, moments of uh, great strength and energy and then only to be followed by a season of depletion. I want God to be an abiding presence in my heart and in the heart of everyone in this church. The Bible says in Matthew 5 and 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. And you can be seated and thank you for standing. In order to understand the full meaning of this beatitude, I think that we must first begin with the proper definition of righteousness. And certainly when we have that in focus and the crosshairs of what we're going to discuss, then we'll better have, have a better understanding of what there is in this blessing that Jesus is talking about to those who hunger and thirst after it. First of all, righteousness we have to clearly understand is an attribute of God because one writer said if we were together all of our righteousness together, It would just be as filthy rags. And so if there is any righteousness, it is an attribute of God. And so if it is God's attribute, then we need to use God's definition and not our own. So righteousness defined here in this particular verse, the Bible says uh, the righteousness, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled in, in 5 and 6, means equity of character, innocent or holy. Amen. Now, I I know that may be a little bit of a challenge to just commit that to memory right out of the gate, but if we could hold on to that, that it is equity of character or innocent or holy. And so given that definition, then I want to reread verse number 6 and insert that here. The Bible says, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after an equity of character, after innocence, After holiness, for they shall be filled. So this is a very, very intentional pursuit. This is not something that's just going to fall out of the sky. Amen. And so that's why it's important to not just attend church, because we can be here physically and be many, many other places mentally and emotionally. And so it's so important that we come into the house of God, into the presence of God, and let His Word have its way in our life. Amen. I want, I want to thirst and hunger 
after what God would have me to have and to be. Not just to go through the motions of it, but to actually be that. To be more specific, this is a personal righteousness. In other words, Jesus here is not referring to uh, the right of a society or righteousness of a society or government. This is not rightness uh, or righteousness to say with the scripture in business ethics or practices. This is not even about rightness or righteousness in personal relationships with other people. So we move everything else off of the drawing board. We take everything else off of the desktop and we just lay ourselves there bare and say this is all to do with me, personal righteousness. This is not about what the other fellow is doing. This is not about what someone else down the road or across the way is doing, but this is about me. Amen. I think it's best understood in this context. One man said, when we're speaking of righteousness in this context, he said, it makes you look in a spiritual mirror where only you are seen and then ask the following question, mirror, mirror on the wall, am I righteous at all? Amen. This, is, this has nothing to do with anybody else. We're not here to discuss, weigh, measure anyone else. We're just talking about our own personal righteousness. Of, the, of all the Beatitudes, perhaps the one under consideration tonight has probably the greatest Old Testament basis of them all. There are many, many Old Testament scriptures and references, and so for the sake of time, I did not bring them all. But I want to just share a few. Deuteronomy 6 and 24 and 25, the Bible says, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Job said in the 27th chapter in verse 6, My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. The, the psalmist in Psalms 7 and 8 says, The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. So Psalm 7-8 is clearly a one man standing in front of the mirror. Amen. It is one man before the judge, before the judge of all judge, judges and says, Lord, judge the people. Then he says, judge me. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, according to mine integrity that is in me. Again, Psalms 15, 1 and 2, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle, or who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. Solomon said in Proverbs 15 and 9, The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he that loveth him... He that, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. The Lord loves those that follow after righteousness. I want the Lord to love me. I know that sounds like such an understatement, but I really want the Lord to love me. And so in order for him to love me, he loves those that are followers and seekers and pursuers of righteousness. 
The Old Testament focuses on this righteousness as the only righteousness which God approves. Again, a few more scriptures here. Psalms 11 and 7. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Psalms 23 and 3. What a familiar passage. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then again, from the pen of Solomon, Proverbs 16 and 31. The hoary head or the silver gray head is a crown of glory if if it be found in the way of righteousness. Amen. There is that contingency. It must be found in the way of righteousness in order for that to be that crown. So we can clearly see that righteousness, certainly in the context of this beatitude, is of tremendous importance to God. Notice again, if you will, the progression of the Beatitudes. I'm going back every week on purpose because I want us to understand that we're actually building something here. So if we go back, we go back to poor in spirit. And then we go back to they that mourn. And then we go to they the meek. And now we're talking about the righteous. The Lord began this particular discourse by recognizing the condition, recognizing the condition of our soul, or imploring us to recognize the condition of our soul in verse 3. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. Then he progressed to the, to the proper response of that condition, that we can't just recognize that, but we need to respond to that. There, there has to be something in our heart, in our life, that responds to that acknowledgement. We find that in verse number 4, in mourning. And then in verse number 5, he gives the instructions concerning our attitude and our demeanor when he talks about the meek. And so tonight, he further instructs us concerning the need of righteousness or, again, that definition of innocence and holiness. So here is that word picture that is painted before us that we recognize we can't do this without God. I'm not shrewd enough. I don't have enough strength on my own in and of myself. Amen. Then I need to mourn about that or I need to do something about that. I need to acknowledge that. We'll talk about that again in just a moment. I need to allow then that to produce in me a spirit of humility or meekness that allows God to do something with my life. And then that brings me to a place of innocence or that brings me to a place of holiness. So here's what we have. If these first three are not in place, if they are not in their proper place, then a true hunger for innocence and holiness will never develop in our heart. We can't skip down to number four. We can't skip down to number five or number six and just say, I'm going to begin here. We have to begin at the beginning. And so it's right here. I'm pointing this out because it's right here that so many people stumble. So many people stumble because... The Lord here is now requiring something. He's requiring some commitment. He's requiring some dedication. So if we're going to go on and allow some other things to develop in our life, then we're going to have to first get this, this first part nailed down. We're going to have to get that satisfied within our own spirit because now God is bringing us to a place of commitment or a place of dedication. I don't know if you see the humor in this or not, but I've kind of chuckled about this through the years. It's something that happened prior to Sister Boyd and I coming, but Brother Rayleigh mentioned about a gentleman and his wife that attended here for a little while, and he asked Brother Rayleigh one time, he wanted to know how long he could attend this church before he had to start supporting it financially. 
I want to know how long I can come before the commitment comes in. Amen? <laughs> that's that's kind of sad. People, I always say that people don't have a financial problem when it comes to that. They have a spiritual problem when it comes to that. So, And so here it is. There are some people that just want to walk a few steps. They want this without the other. But when we begin this progress, this progress, when we walk through this journey that God has us on, then it brings us to a place of commitment. It, it brings us to a place of signing our name on the line. And so here is this common thread that you can almost always count on. And I, I know that I'm painting with a little bit of a broad brush, but I, I want to paint broadly because I want to make an, a point. It's this common thread you can almost count on. Most people that fail in the area of holiness, are you hearing me now? Most people that stagger in the area of holiness generally have a problem with one of the first three. Amen. Somewhere they're staggering in this poor in spirit part. I got it together. I don't know if I really need the Lord. And if they have that attitude, then they certainly are not going to have the attitude to say, I really need the Lord to help me. I found myself in a, in a wanting condition. And then again, as we progress down, they're certainly not going to be producing the spirit of meekness. And so we have this poor, this mourning, and this meekness. It's the pursuit of righteousness that brings this to the surface. It's not until you start pro, pro, prodding and probing until something comes to the surface. Amen? And so when we start this journey, then all of a sudden, if we're not really genuine in our heart, if something there is that's not really pure all the way to the core, then it begins to show itself. It begins to reveal itself in time. It may not happen the first moment or may not happen the first year, but as we begin this journey to be what God wants us to be, we've got to get this these first parts right. Amen. Those that stumble here never become mature Christians. They never grow all the way up because there's something lacking in their heart, in their life. I remember um, when I was in school, there was a young man who was very, very gifted athletically. He excelled in most any sport uh, that he participated in. But but he, he, would, he grew very tall, very rapidly. And because of that... He was very prone to breaking his bones. And, and so the, the doctor was pointing out to him and for a, a while had to kind of sideline him from any activities because every time he was participating in something, he would get injured. And that's because his body, for whatever reason, was outgrowing the natural process. And so the bones weren't given time to strengthen. And so my point is this. If we try to skip down through a, front, a few of these steps, something's going to be lacking. That's going to show up. That didn't show up on him just walking down the hallway with books under his arm. But when he got into something physical... Then all of a sudden bones are breaking. There's something, there's something wrong. There's something wrong here in this scenario. And so uh, I, I would say tonight that if we don't get these things right and if we stumble, then we are never going to mature into what God would have us be. That doesn't mean we're going to stop coming to church. It doesn't mean we're going to not sing or worship when we get here, but we're not going to become what God has intended for us to be. Amen. So, if they have trouble, or if we have trouble recognizing our need of God, if we deny the poorness of spirit, 
if we refuse to openly mourn the condition of our poorness. You remember when I, I talked about that, I used Isaiah from Isaiah 6 and 5 when in the presence of the Lord, Isaiah said, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among people of unclean lips. I am undone. And so here was this mourning, this verbal doing something about it. Amen. Therefore, they could never develop the spirit of meekness that they need for God to use them in the capacity that he desires to use them. So since the Beatitudes, much like the fruit of the Spirit that we dealt with a few weeks ago, build one upon another, then it's critical that we come to a clear understanding here that if we don't get the first Beatitudes right, that cuts ourselves off from the future blessings of the other Beatitudes. Because we can't cut in line. <laughs> You can't skip ahead. You can't move to the next one if you fail the previous ones. Just like you can't go to the 12th grade if you don't complete the 11th grade. And on and on and on. we got to get this or we're not going to be prepared for the next part of this. So this it's tragic because the remaining Beatitudes are those that bring us into the very presence of God. So we must get this. And so if we're going to stand rigid and say, I don't need the Lord. You know, I, I know there are some people I, I've almost... Heard people say this with their voice. They've all but said it. You know, I know there's some people that need a little bit more of this than me. I'm, you know, I'm very, very serious. That their, their attitude and almost their, almost word for word, they say things of that nature, but it's their spirit that projects even louder than their voice could ever hope to. That that's all right for some. Some people need to come and pray. Some people need to do this. But I'm just a little bit. I, I've, I'm just a little more grounded. I'm a little more mature. You may not be as mature as you think you are. Amen. I want to know that when I stand in the presence of the Lord, I need Him. We sang that song a moment ago. I need Thee. Oh, I need Thee. That wasn't just something to start with. That wasn't just a song to fill up a little bit of space. There's so much truth to that. We need the Lord. Amen. So we, we must have these if we're going to come really into the presence of the Lord. So in a nutshell, righteousness is that equity of character or innocence or holiness. And so this hungering and thirsting that we're talking about are actions that bring us into the spirit of righteousness. Because righteousness does not just happen. And it doesn't just birth in your heart. In the Antarctic summer of 1908, Sir Ernest Shackleton and three companions attempted to travel to the South Pole from their winter quarters. They set off with four ponies to help carry the load. Weeks later, their ponies dead, rations all but exhausted, they turned back toward their home base with their goal not accomplished. Altogether, they had trekked 127 days. On their return journey, as Shackleton records, he said, Our time was spent talking mostly about food, elaborate feasts, gourmet delights, and sumptuous meals. As they staggered along, suffering from every kind of physical ailment you could imagine, not even knowing if they were going to survive, he says, Every waking hour, every waking hour was occupied with nothing more than thoughts of eating. And so Jesus understands fearfully, wonderfully made. He is the creator. So he understands. And so when Jesus is talking about blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, these are not random words that were just pulled out of the sky. The Lord 
brought something into focus that we can relate to because we can certainly understand that kind of obsession with food that Shackleton records if we ourselves found ourselves in that same scenario. And so that offers us a glimpse of the passion that Jesus intends for us to have in our pursuit of righteousness. So while justification, that, that declaration of being justified God is instantaneous, amen, while God can change our heart and forgive us of our sins and water baptism can remit those sins, righteousness is an ongoing process. Everybody under the sound of my voice tonight is in the process of righteousness and you're going to wake up in that condition tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next. Amen. It is an ongoing process. It's an, it's natural that Jesus would use this phrase, hunger and thirst for this beatitude because hunger and thirst are those obvious motivators of our appetite. And so by using these terms, Jesus is saying, blessed are those whose deepest cravings are after spiritual blessings. That's where they hunger and that's where they thirst. Hunger and thirsting after righteousness is a deep passion for, again, personal righteousness. We're not examining anyone here this evening but ourselves. The only way to have this type of passion is to be totally dissatisfied with our present condition. Because until you get tired of where you are, and I get tired of where I am, we will never change. Amen. We have to get sick and tired of where we are, no matter what it may be. We, we have to come to that intersection of our life, and you say, you know what? I've got to do something about this, and I've got to do something about it now. i got to do it right now. And so we'll never grasp We'll never grasp this righteousness if we have, uh, you know, certain attitudes. There's an attitude that is reflected in the book of Luke chapter 18 and 9. Here Luke records, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. They have themselves on a pedestal. They trust in their own self not really in God, and they look down upon others. And so if we view ourselves as this, then we'll never be as righteous as we need to be because we'll never see the need of it at all. So then probably we'll never truly obtain what God then would have indeed for us to be. We can all sit down and eat, and we can all eat till we get full. I'm talking about naturally and physically. But if given enough time, no matter how full we are or no matter how satisfied we are, if given enough time, we grow hungry again. And it should be that same way in our spirit. I would suggest to you tonight that there is something wrong if we don't wake up hungry. There's something wrong physically. There's something going on that needs to be looked into. There's something that needs to be observed because that's not natural. We ought to wake up tomorrow at some point. There ought to be some hunger that begins to develop in us. And that same thing should happen spiritually. And so I'm glad that I'm here tonight. I'm thankful that I was privileged to be in this service. But I, I want you to know that I already am planning to be here Sunday. Amen. And you know what? I'm planning to be here with an appetite. 
I'm going to come in, I'm going to come in hungry. And so there's something wrong if there's spiritually not a spiritual appetite, a desire to be in the presence of the Lord, in the Word of the Lord, or something that would satisfy that. So spiritual hunger and thirst are a constant to those that are expending their resources. And so the reason we get hungry is because our body is burning up that energy, that food and all of that sustenance. And so it is in the spirit world, just as the body has natural appetites of hunger and thirst for food and drink, the soul also has a thirst and a hunger for spiritual appetites. I read this illustration, and uh, I, I'm just going to use this tonight uh, just because it uh, maybe it will, we can draw a spiritual parallel from this. The body is comprised of 70% water. Water is contained in the cells of the body, in the arteries, the veins, etc. The body's water supply is involved in nearly... Every bodily function, whether that is digestion, absorption, circulation, or whatever it may be. When we eat, when we breathe, and we use our muscles, our body's water supply is engaged in that process, no matter what. Consequently, to become dehydrated is to lead your body to failure. Mild dehydration, even mild dehydration, can slow your metabolism down by as much as 5%. The lack of water is the number one trigger of daytime fatigue. And just 2% drop in body water can trigger fuzzy, short-term memory, and even blurred vision. So in order to overcome dehydration, the suggestion is from those in, in this particular field of expertise, in a day you should drink a half an ounce of water for every pound of body weight, or two-thirds of an ounce if you're active. And so what is the point in all of this? Without the proper intake of water, your body will suffer greatly. This is not about just saying, man, I'm thirsty. This is having an adverse effect on our body, our thought process, our ability to perform, function, even our sight. And so if we do not eat and drink, we will die. It is just that simple. And so our our body depends on sustenance for Nutrition for health, for strength, for everything. And so by the same token, our soul depends on heaven for its nourishment, its health, and its strength. And so if we are not feasting or dining or at least snacking and nibbling on the Word of God, amen, I'm not just talking about Sunday and Wednesday when somebody else is reading the Scripture or you're reading it off the screen, but I'm talking about that we are ingesting something the Spirit is yearning and craving I, I said many, many times that sometimes if we are not careful that we, like young Samuel, can mistake the voice of God for earthly things. When Samuel was just but a child in the, in the temple and the Lord called to him, he responded natural to natural. He heard something and he went to Eli. And Eli, of course, didn't know the condition right then, eventually figured it out. And so in a, in, in a process of time, Eli said, when you hear that voice again, you just respond and, and you answer the Lord. You, you respond to the Lord, spirit to spirit. And so I say that to say this, that if we're not careful, sometimes there's a spiritual yearning in our heart. And if we're not in tune with that and sensitive to that, we will try to gratify that in some kind of natural way. God is pulling us closer, trying to draw us closer to Him. And we'll just involve ourselves in something else. Because we feel to do something 
but we do the wrong thing. Amen. I've mentioned many times and that in the, especially the world that we live in today, it is hard to find silence. As a matter of fact, we're all pretty uncomfortable with silence. Because everywhere you see, you, you go, you see people that have earbuds in their ears, music, there's always something, some noise level going on. And so if God were to ever speak, would we hear Him? And so that's a very serious question. And so if God is stirring something in our heart, we must respond to that stirring. Spiritual things cannot sustain the spiritual body because that's not how it's designed. And so you can't be hungry naturally and didn't just go pray about it and satisfy that hunger. That's not how it's worked. That's not how it works. That's not how it's designed. But neither can earthly things sustain the soul. That is not the nature of it. And so the soul can cry out with hunger and we can try to fill that void by just busying our hands and doing something without answering the call of God. I know this is a loaded question, but am I making any sense? Does that make sense? That God is calling and God is pulling and we just busy our physical man and not answer the spirit man. And then we ask ourselves, why are we struggling and staggering with the things that are overwhelming us and overcoming us? And it may be simply that we are not putting enough spiritual nourishment into this spirit man to sustain him. And so when we feel hunger pains, we know i got to do something. Uh, we got to do something about that, right? My mother used to call it the weak trembles. She said, I got the weak trembles. <laughs> and I'm not making light of that because I've had, I didn't know what they were, but I do now, the weak trembles. I gotta, I gotta do something, get a pack of crackers. I gotta do something because my body is telling me that. And so, by the same token, we need, when our, when our spirit becomes parts, we need to be tuned into that to say, you know what, I've got to do something about this. I've got to, I've got to pray. I've got to get into the Word of God. I've got to get alone and meditate some. I've just got to get by myself and let the Spirit of the Lord put something in me. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And so a soul has appetite. So a soul has hunger and thirst. And if we don't feel it, it will die. It must be nourished by the Holy Ghost. John, John records 6 and 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I think it's, I think it's awesome that the same God that instills the hunger and the thirst in us is also the same God that says, I can satisfy that. I won't just create something, but I will satisfy that. Amen. And so God will stir something in our heart and then say, I can also feel that bill. I can create the hunger and I can create the satisfaction. So obviously the Lord is not going to challenge us to hunger and thirst without him being unable to, without him being able rather to satisfy that. So he declares the blessings on they that hunger and thirst, they shall be filled. Now the word filled here means a little more than what you may think. It doesn't just mean to be full like we think of full, but the word filled here actually has the connotation of saturated. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be saturated. So that means we have to constantly come back to be replenished again and again, not just one time. I mean, we have to eat regularly of the bread of life and drink from the well of the Holy Ghost. Simon Peter 
gives some great insight to our redemption into righteousness when he writes in 1 Peter 1 and 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We're talking about the righteousness of God. Amen. That hunger and that thirsting. Amen. He can feel that. That was the righteousness of that spotless lamb. First Peter 1, 23, the Bible says, Born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That's what we're reaching for tonight, that incorruptible seed. So in closing this evening, I will ask our musicians to come. While we live in this fleshly body, and we feed its natural hunger, and we satisfy its natural thirst... Additionally, we must also nourish the spirit in this pursuit of righteousness. Because there is coming a day, there is coming a day when the body will not need food or drink. And there is coming a day when the soul will no longer need spiritual sustenance because it's going to be made whole or be made complete in Him. That's what... Paul is referring to in 1 Corinthians 15.53 for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Even the psalmist David understood and expressed this when he said in Psalms 17, 13 through 15, I'll just read it in part. He said, Deliver me from men of the world which have their portion in this life. As for me, I shall behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Amen. It's this pursuit. It's this that we must be reaching for, reaching for. I heard an evangelist friend of mine years ago say something I've heard, you've heard me quote it many times. If you see a turtle on a fence post, you know one thing, he didn't get there by himself. And so when you find somebody that truly possesses a godly righteousness, understand one thing. It has nothing to do with their last name. It has nothing to do with anything in this world, you can find someone that's been diligent. That person has been reaching. They've been striving. They've been very intentional. They have, they have applied themselves to this process. They didn't just wander into a church building a couple of times a week or whatever. They didn't just meander in and, and then just meander out, just getting a little bit on their garment and walking away. But somewhere they've been pursuing, they've been reaching. Paul talked about pressing, reaching. Writers talk about striving, leaning in. This doesn't just happen. Amen. We, we must allow the Spirit of God to help us, to strengthen us. But he said, if you'll just be hungry and if you'll just be thirsty, I'll take care of the rest. If you'll desire to see me, I'll reveal myself. If you'll desire to know me, I'll be known of you. Amen. That's the God we serve. Let's stand together. The book of 1 John chapter 3. 
Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself even as He is pure. And so if we have this hope of seeing Him as He is and being like Him, then I must purify myself. I must do something about stirring up a hunger and a thirst. Amen. I've got to create that. Create that. Amen. I, I'm asking you a question tonight, not for really a verbal answer, but how often do you desire to pray? I'm not talking about how often does your conscience prick you or something guilt you, but how often do you desire to say, you know what, I just got to get away a minute. I just got to, I just got to talk to the Lord. How often do we desire to just journey through the Word of God? I just want to, I just want to get here. I just want to read a little bit of this. I just want to place a little bit of this in my heart. I want to hide some of this away. I want to tuck it away. You know, it's not a, it's not a contest. It's not a challenge and there's not a blue ribbon at the end of the year. But every year we promote the bread program. It's, that's not just something to do. It's not just something to talk about the first of the year and then forget about it a few months in. But it's a challenge to say, let's get here. Let's, let's let this word of God speak to our heart and show us something. Amen. Don't be in such pursuit of speed reading that when that certain scripture pops out at you that you don't say, you know, even if I don't have time right now to study this, I'm going to, I'm going to write this down. I want to look into this. Maybe this afternoon when I get home or tonight, this is how I'm going to entertain myself. I'm going to look into His Word. I'm going to feed this spirit man. Amen. Praise the Lord. I wonder if we would just let the Spirit of God challenge us where you stand. Would you let God help us to become more than we are right now? I don't say that in a condemning way. I know of no man, no woman, no young person, male or female, that doesn't have room in their life to stretch themselves and grow. I pray, God, that you would help us and strengthen us now to become what you would have us be. Let us rise to the challenge tonight, God, that your spirit and your word presents to us. Strengthen us now. Strengthen us now. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.